It's the third win against the top ten, and the Orange had them all the way. They didn't look into your heart. They didn't look into your heart. They didn't look into my heart. Three for the win battle. Bang! Boom! It's the Orange doing it again. The cardiac juice comes through on the road one more time. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Good afternoon, everyone. Glad to have you with us alongside Seth Goldberg. I'm Stephen Fonte. It's a Wednesday edition of Orange Nation. We are brought to you in part by Duntire. 315-437-7644. If you'd like to get involved, phone lines open for the first 90 minutes of today's show. We will have ESPN's Allison Williams joining us at 1.30 as we start looking ahead to Syracuse, Miami. I think the team has started looking ahead, certainly, Seth, after those three days off, Dino Babers. Uh, given the orange Saturday, Sunday, Monday off from practice, but he said when they come back to work on Tuesday, they better be ready to work. Uh, we'll hear from Mark Richt later in the show as well as some of the players as Syracuse looks to move on from that upset victory. So uh, SU football certainly on the table. Allison Williams will be doing sidelines uh, for that Syracuse-Miami game. We'll delve into the Canes, start to delve into the Canes later on in the show. We have to begin with some of the other happenings uh, last night, Seth. There are a lot of happenings. There were. Uh, NBA season uh, tipped off, and, and unfortunately Gordon Hayward and that injury, that that's the that's the headline. But we saw two really good games as well. You know uh, I, that we I, can get to. Steve, yes. I still have not seen the injury. You I, don't want. to. I have no interest in seeing it. Um, I, I was on Twitter last night. I was watching the Yankee game at the time, and and I was on Twitter, and I saw uh, just a lot of oh my gods from NBA player from NBA writers, and then from people I know who are from Boston. And I was like, okay, who just got hurt? And then I I saw Hayward, and then you know I I saw. Oh, that was gruesome. You don't want to see this. And then I saw somebody tweet out a link to, I, I guess, Deadspin. Here's the injury. And I was like, I'm not going to click on that. And then I saw a gif of the, of the Cavaliers bench and their reaction. And you could see them all recoil, turn, and pull up like their warm-ups and towels over their eyes. Uh, and I was like, you know what? If they're reacting that way, I don't need to see the play. The only reason I watched it, Seth, I actually watched it for you. I watched it for this show. I felt like I had to see it for this show. Uh, but the you know the Kevin Ware injury, Paul George, like I I don't go out of my way to to watch those kinds of things. Um, but I, I watched it once just to see. My my boss from Channel Nine actually called me last night. And said if we put this in the show, be careful what angle you show and what replay you show. And I said, wow, this thing must be pretty bad. And I saw the headlines as well. Taken off on a stretcher. I'm like taken off on a stretcher. Should in a I bas- Basketball game? Should I watch live on the air right now? I don't. Th- I don't think you want to see it. Okay. If, if, I, if I don't think I do. If you've got a weak stomach, I don't think you want to see it. But I obviously coming into today, I wanted to know what was it, it was all about, and uh, it was uh, it was ugly. And you know, again, you mentioned the reaction of the players, the Cavaliers. Nobody wanted to look. You, you saw Dwayne Wade kind of shaking up. You saw Kyrie Irving, uh, you know, emotional, had tears in his eyes, and you know, you, you obviously feel for him. Uh, he's having surgery today, and I, I guess they're saying it's a dislocated ankle, not a broken ankle, dislocated ankle, uh, and uh, and broken bones in his legs. And it's uh, yes, it is ugly. You do do not want to see it. Um, but we ended up getting a, a a pretty darn good basketball game when all was said and done. Uh, and and actually both games last night uh, went right down to the wire. Cavs uh, able to get the win over the Celtics by a possession, and Kevin Durant has his game-winning shot waved off, which was the right call as the Rockets uh, steal one in the opener uh, in Oakland. Uh, but two really good games, which we can certainly uh, talk about as the show moves along. How about the Yankees? And, How and, about the Yankees? And that comeback 
down for nothing, and then Aaron Judge hits a home run. AJ Hinch decides to pull Lance McCullers, which I, I still don't understand. I that. don't think he'd I only have. given up two hits, and then the game just changed. Uh, and you know that that home run got the Yankees going. Uh, they rally from down four zero. They win six four, and now all of a sudden this series tied up again two two. You've got. Your home ace on the mound today in Masahiro Tanaka. You still have Severino and Sabathia to come uh, when they go back on the road. And you get the feeling that, uh, you know, that the Bombers certainly have the momentum now. Even though it's 2 2 um, and the Astros still have home field advantage, you get the feeling that the, the momentum is, is very much in the favor of, of the New York Yankees. It'll be Keichel today against uh, Masahiro Tanaka. Oh, I, I think it is most certainly right in the, in the Yankees. Uh, the momentum is all in favor of the Yankees right now. Um, and, and, you know, I said yesterday on the show, and I, I, you know, I tweeted out after the Yankees won game three, I said, you know, don't let, don't let the Yankees win game four. Um, because now you've got the momentum squarely behind the Yankees. They've got one more home game. And if and I'll say it again, don't let the Yankees win tonight. Don't let the Yankees win tonight because if they win tonight, I think they win the series. Um, you know, they they would have to go back to Houston. Sure, they didn't win in Houston, right? We get it. Um, but game game six would be up against Verlander. So sure, you might lose that. Like I, I'm, but you got Severino. I'm, you got. I mean, you no, have your, no, your no, best no, pitcher. You, you've got your best guy going on the other side. And and look, they didn't lose the first time around because of pitching. They lost because uh, they they you know. Verlander was just so good that they couldn't get anything going, and, and they allow a run to the ninth and whatever. Um, but then you have Game Seven against Charlie Morton, who you smashed. <laughs> you know, like I I like your chances. Uh, even if Keuchel is backing him up, even if Verlander on a you know no rest is backing him up, I, I like my chances against Charlie Morton in Game Seven. So if I'm the Astros, don't let the Yankees win tonight. They you know if it they don't you know they they need to beat right now. They need to beat both. Keuchel and Verlander, or they don't need to beat both Keuchel and Verlander, uh, you know, to to win this series. Be but one they do need to beat one of them, yep. and that's why I think last night's win was important. You could not go into tonight having to beat Keuchel and Verlander. You had to have you you had to knock one of those two games out as like a, okay, we can lose that game and still win the series. Which is why I, again, tonight's important. You're at home, momentum's in your favor. Uh, Verlander went nine last time out. Keiko only went six. If Keiko goes six and that bullpen comes in again, uh, I think that the Yankees are feeling good against that bullpen uh, and feeling confident against that bullpen. Ken Giles, their closer, has been terrible. Terrible in, in this postseason. And, and he's been bad in this series. If you remember back to game one, he came in with a 2 nothing lead. He let up a solo home run to Greg Bird. He let up a bunch of runs last night. He, he just hasn't been good and effective. Uh, I think the Yankees right now feel like they can hit anybody out of that Astro bullpen. Even more reason to question A.J. Hinch's decision last night to pull Lance McCullers. And if you didn't have a chance to watch the game, Astros go up 4 nothing. McCullers was virtually untouchable through six innings, had given up one hit through six innings. Aaron Judge leads off the seventh with a solo home run. So that was the what a that was a second that hit. Was. It was a, yes, it was a blast. Okay, he made a mistake. You shouldn't have taken him out. One, he has given up two hits on the night, and and it's not like you have the Yankees bullpen or the Indians bullpen. Like I know some people, and, and if the Yankees had lost, some might have questioned Joe Girardi. Why'd you pull Sonny Gray? He, sure. you know he got into a little bit of trouble, but did you have a, you know too quick of a hook with Sonny Gray? Well, the difference is is that the Bombers have. 
Arguably Robertson the best and bullpen and Chapman in, in, and Green in the game, and, and, yeah. and if not, you know, maybe the Indians do. If so, if you're Terry Francona and Joe Girardi, I'm fine with that. If you have a little bit of a quicker hook, because that is the strength of your pitching staff, especially when you're on, you know, arguably your fourth starter. You you go to your bullpen and you let the strength of your pitching staff take over. That is not the case with the Astros. Their bullpen is is mediocre. It's average, and McCullers had it going. And he had only given up two hits, and he still had a three-run lead. This wasn't a 2-1 game. This was a 4-1 game. And I just think that sometimes, especially in the postseason, managers overthink it. They go to their analytics, and you know he had only thrown 81 pitches, Seth. Right. It wasn't like he was up over 100. And oh, by the way, he just let Justin Verlander throw like 300 pitches. I, I'm obviously exaggerating, but he, sure, he but was at like 120 the other day. And, and look, and, and to that I would say there is a very big difference between Justin Verlander obviously, and Lance McCullers. I'm just saying it wasn't uh, a pitch no, thing. No, he it threw wasn't. 81 pitches. It wasn't. The, the only reason that you take him out of the game there is because you look at the Yankee lineup and you look at where they are, and it was Aaron Judge who just hit the home run, and then he's going to face Didi Gregorius for the third time, and then he's going to face Gary Sanchez for the third time, and you don't love the idea of letting your pitcher go if it's a back end of the rotation starter, right? Which McCullers is like a three, a four, a five, somewhere in that range, right? You don't love the idea of letting that guy face your lineup three times. And I'm not saying and that... And that's, that's what the Yankees, by the way, have done with CC Sabathia. Understood. You don't want him to face him three times. Understood. But it's, again, it's not a two-to-one game. It's a four-to-one game. And at I, some point... I agree with I you. think you say... I've got a major league pitcher on the mound who has his best stuff, and he has given up two hits through six-plus innings. I'm going to give him one more batter. He made a mistake. I'm going to give him one more batter. And then maybe if DD gets on, or you know, and, and then you pull him. Um, but, it, again, the, your your bullpen is not your strength, and you had a guy who had it working. And I would imagine, and, you know, I, I saw them talking about this on the postgame show with, you know, A-Rod and, and David Ortiz. I would have to think that that it it gave the Yankees a, a you know a, a shot of hope, a shot of adrenaline when they see AJ Hinch go to the mound, pull McCullers, and they got to be thinking to themselves, okay, we have a chance now. We've got nine outs left. The guy who's been baffling us all night long is is out of there. Now we get to their bullpen. Now we have a chance. And I I think that decision, you know, obviously we'll look at it from a Yankees perspective and say Judge's homer changed the momentum of the game. I think that decision more so than the home run changed the momentum of the game. Oh, yeah. I, I think that decision was huge. I think that decision was foolish when you look at it. Uh, Davinsky comes in, and, and he's been great all year long, but he lets up a triple right away to Didi Gregorius. So not only have you now allowed a home run, but you've allowed a triple, and, and immediately there's man on third with nobody out, right? And, and so I think that, that that whole thinking was kind of flawed, and, and it didn't really work. Uh, you know, It certainly didn't work to their advantage. Um, but I, I have to point out, Aaron Judge hits a home run and a double. And this coming a day after he hits a home run, makes those two catches. Gary Sanchez finally gets a hit and, and rockets a, a double. Spot. Well, yeah, and it was the first hit that he had all series, and, and it's a rocket double to right center field. You're, you're seeing them finally make an adjustment. And I know that it's, it's weird to say, oh, they've been in a slump for so long. It's been 10 games. The two of them have struggled mightily through the playoffs. It's been 10 games. That's you know that's a week and a half uh, in, in the regular season, and you could see that they are making adjustments. That you know they realized, oh, this was how I was pitched. This was how I was pitched. Let's see how I can hit this pitch. And on the judge double, a, a breaking ball low and away that he hooked into left field. Sanchez rocketing one the other way. You can see that they finally made that adjustment and said, "All right, I got to be better at this. I got to be better at that pitch." And you know, last night they were, and and 
if they're going to get hot again and if they're going to feel good about themselves and they're going to know what's going on, there is no reason why the Yankees not only could win tonight, not only can win over the weekend, but there's no reason why they can't win the World Series if these two are going to get going. Yeah, I mean, last night it, you felt like the series was on the line when they fell down four nothing, and you figure, well, if they're if they're down three one, you know, very little chance that they're going to be able to dig out of that. But again, now it's two two, and as we've been talking about, the momentum certainly on the side of the New York Yankees going into Game Five tonight. I, I know that Masahiro Tanaka has been a, a different pitcher with day games and night games. Where's the fall? Four o'clock I don't game. Know. I mean, where, where does that fall? Is that I don't a night know. game or is that a day game? Four o'clock. I don't know. But hey, he he's been a different pitcher home and road, and he was fantastic Understood. in game one. He was. Yeah. So you know what? Maybe maybe he's just amped up in the playoffs, and he's just like, you know what? Forget what time it is. Forget where these games are. I'm just gonna go, and I'm gonna I'm gonna shove, as they might say. I'm gonna just go pitch, and I'm gonna go throw, uh, and I'm just gonna kill it. Uh, and he, he has. Right, I mean, I mean, you can't complain about what Masahiro Tanaka has done this postseason, and, and if he's going to go match Dallas Keuchel again later today, uh, you take that thing, you run, and you know, I I had a uh, text from from Matt Michael earlier today because uh, we won't have a Yankee show, but uh, that that does not mean we don't talk. And he said, uh, you know, you think they can get to Keuchel? And I said, you know, the way they're playing, why not? And if they don't get to to Keuchel, can they at least knock him out after six, like they did in Game One? And you know, get to that bullpen because that—that's all they need to do. Like Keuchel's not going to go throw nine innings like Justin Verlander. He's not going to throw 130 pitches the way Verlander did. Uh, so he might get out after six innings, after seven innings. And the way they hit the bullpen last night, uh, and the way they've hit the bullpen, you know, the night before. They, they could go score some runs. And I think if you're a Yankee fan, you have to be very pleased with the way things shape up with your own pitching staff, that it is Tanaka here Game 5. He's been so good at home. And then you've got your best pitcher on the mound for Game 6, Luis Severino. And then if there is a Game 7, you've got CeCe, oh, who has been a, just a huge pressure pitcher throughout these post uh, throughout this postseason. So you have CeCe with Sonny Gray and Tanaka backing him up. Yeah, I think you got to feel very good right now. And and to your point, if they can turn this into a you know 7th, inning, eighth inning, ninth inning game, and if it's you know 2-1 to one or 1-1 one, one late in the game and it, it goes to the bullpens, and I know they lost a couple of those uh, in Houston, but Verlander was on the mound and Verlander wasn't coming off the mound. Exactly. Uh, but tonight, you know, to your point, if it can get to both bullpens, uh, the Yankees have a lot of confidence against that Astros bullpen. We do need to take our first time out. When we come back, I, I want to get to something you brought up at the end of yesterday's show, uh, and I, I, I took issue with it. We didn't have time to discuss it. I want to discuss it next. 315-437-7644. Back after this on Orange Nation. Game day coverage of Syracuse football on ESPN Radio is brought to you by CNYRealtor.com and Geico. We are the pulse of the orange. ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. Live from the DBOffers.com, powered by Drivers Village Studio. This is ESPN Radio. 97.7 FM, Syracuse. And 100.1 FM, Oswego. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Stephen Seth with you on a Wednesday edition of Orange Nation. Time to get to today's business. No uh, Max today. He uh, he had a better offer. Yes. Can I, can I say on the radio yeah, where he is? I think so. Max he ditched told us, us. We can tell. Max ditched us to go to the Yankee game. So he is in the Bronx for I, Game Five of the ALCS. I would have ditched I would, you for I was this. Just going to say, I would, I would have done the exact same thing. Uh, so, uh, so instead of Max, we've got our producer Joe uh, with today's business. Joe, how are things today? Not bad. That's good. 
<laughs> no, <laughs> no, <laughs> Seth, it's not good. It's <laughs> not bad. I'll take that as an answer. Just electric chemistry, as always. Uh, in the first quarter of his first game with the Celtics, Gordon Hayward dislocated his ankle and broke bones in his leg, likely after the year. How does this change Celtics' expectations? I think it changes a lot, right? I mean, they, they kind of, uh, not to say they dismantled the team to get him and Kyrie Irving, but they totally changed the complexion of that team to get he and Kyrie Irving. And uh, now you don't have one of those two guys, presumably for the season. Uh, Jason Tatum's going to have to step up big, which I he did imagine last he will. because had a double-double in his debut. Yeah. He was I, pretty good. He, yeah. You know, I, I got the impression, I saw him twice live, like yeah. in person, last year, and I was like, he's going to be really good in the NBA. And, and if like, he can this year? I like the youth on that roster. Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, and you know, you add Kyrie into the mix. I, I will say this to answer your question, Joe. A lot of uh, of the, the people that were pointing to, well, the Celtics, you know, are not only going to compete with the Cavs, but, you know, I think they're going to be the Eastern Conference representative. A, a lot of those people obviously pointed to two reasons, Kyrie and, and Hayward, and now Hayward is out of the mix. So does it affect the balance of power? Again, I still had the Cavs as the best team in the East, and, and until I'm proven otherwise, I'm going to continue to say that. Obviously, this injury uh, is a is a tough blow for the Celtics. So, yes, I think the Cavs uh, are are the the clear cut favorite. You know, Celtics are still number two, I think. But but yeah, the Cavs are the favorites. So it doesn't open the door for division winning Brooklyn. I don't think so. Not this year. I know that's disappointing to you. Heartbreaking. This year, Philadelphia drew 70,000 fans for the NFL draft. Next year, the draft will be at uh, AT&T Stadium in Dallas. How many people do you think will show up? I think they're going to pack the place. I think they're going to get like 100,000 people to show up for the, the first night of the draft. In I, I have been to one draft event, and that is more than enough for me. One NFL at, draft? I went to the NBA draft. And I would to, imagine it's several, the same thing, right? I've been to several NBA I feel drafts, like it's one yes. of those things you don't have to do more than once, but like they're moving this around now and they've got a 100,000-seat stadium and plus room on the field if they want to use it. I think they're going to get 100,000 people there. That's a cool venue. Um, yeah, I think the, you know it's not the same old, same old. So it, you know a different uh, geographic location, I guess, will get to experience it. So, yeah, I think they'll they'll draw well. Now, if they had it there every year, are they going to pack the place every year? Probably no. not. But I think for the first time, yeah, I think they'll draw pretty well. By the way, is that prediction like the Price is Right, where you want to get to the closest uh, without, right going without going over? Without going over? I'm not sure they're going to get to 100. That's a lot of people. Think, I know, but... For the draft? Eh. There were 70,000 standing outside in Philly last year. And, and because it's a novelty, it's new, it's right. different. So maybe for this first, I don't, 100,000 is a lot. But That's a lot of people, but why Joe, can't they do I'm that? Gonna go th- I'm going to take the under of 100,000, but I do think they're going to draw well. Okay. Steve goes under. Seth is a... Uh, I set the number. At 100,000. Yeah. All right, we'll find out next year. <laughs> <laughs> Just leave it in the draw outside. Uh, yeah. We've done that before. I'll report back to you. Uh, Bulls forwards Nico Miritich and Bobby Portis got into a fight at practice yesterday. Miritich was left with fractures in his upper jaw and a concussion, and he's out indefinitely. I find this fascinating. We don't normally hear this in the NBA. You hear this in in football all the time where there there are preseason fights and and training camp fights, and they're usually about nothing. But, like, these guys got into an all-out, like, brawl, it seems like. Portis has been suspended eight games, by the way. Uh, and now uh, 
looking on the time uh, on the Twitter timeline, it looks like Miritich is expected to be out four to six weeks. He's got to have surgery. Fractured jaw. He's got to have surgery. Yeah, this this was one heck of a fight. Yeah, not a, not a great thing face. to do before your first game. And not your best a good player thing to happens do to, to be your out. best player. Yeah, your best player is now out for you know a month and a half minimum. So. Uh, we thought the Bulls were going to be bad. They're, they're going to be really bad, especially early in the season. Um, you know, and apparently these guys have a history, and they've been going at it throughout training camp, and things boiled over. But that must have been one one heck of a fight uh, to to leave these guys in in that bad of shape. Bulls executive vice president John Paxson called Portis's actions quote inexcusable, but he said he's not a bad person. He just made a bad mistake. Sounds like he snapped. I mean, broke a guy's jaw. Yeah, that's a that's a heavy-handed punch. Yeah. You know what caused the fight? They were debating over how many people will show up at AT&T Stadium next year for the <laughs> NFL draft. I think that's fair. I think that's a fair thing to start a fight about. And uh, just days after Ezekiel Elliott's suspension was back on, the Cowboys running back would uh, need to sit six games. The suspension has again been put on hold after a court injunction. Should Zeke just take his suspension? I'm so sick of talking about this. Um but yes, I think he should. I, I know that we differ on this, Seth. We were talking about this before the show, and, and, and you're not sure he's ever going to have to serve the suspension, much like Tom Brady. I do think in this instance, given you know the allegations and, and given um, you know given what he's accused of and, and what, what's been uncovered, I think he will eventually have to serve this six-game suspension. And, and yeah, I think just get it over with, right? I mean, serve it now, and then you're back for the, the stretch run and the playoffs. And as we talked about at the top of this show, there's so much parody slash mediocrity is the word you use. You're going to be relevant. You're going to be in the race at that time. So get it over with now and then play the, you know, if you're the Cowboys, I think you would be encouraging Zeke to, to get this thing over with. Yeah, you know, I, I'm just not sold that he's going to have to serve this suspension. Like, I think he should. I think he should be suspended. Um, I, but I, I think that if you're Ezekiel Elliott, you have to look at what happened with Tom Brady last year and be like, am I really going to ever have to sit out? Right? And, you know, Tom Brady didn't have to sit out. And I know it's different, and, and that was a procedural thing. And, and, you know, there were legitimate questions about deflating footballs and not deflating footballs, and we don't have to get back into this. Um but the 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 point remains that Brady challenged the league over uh, the commissioner's powers, and that's what Zeke, Ezekiel Elliott is doing too. Um, so I just I, I'm not sold. You know, if I'm Ezekiel Elliott, I'm not sold that I ever have to sit out these six games because just last year Tom Brady didn't have to sit out four. You know, so I, I think that he will keep fighting it. I would probably just take it because you know there you know. Personally, I would probably just take it because I'd be like, you know what? I, I probably deserve to be suspended. Um, I, I just I don't think Ezekiel Elliott is thinking that way. And I don't expect him to say, okay, fine, I'll sit out six games. I'm looking at this more from the team's perspective. And if I'm Jerry Jones, you know, if I'm the coaching staff, if I'm maybe even his teammates, I would rather him sit now than sit four weeks from now, and now you're talking about the end of the regular season, maybe right. affecting the playoffs, potentially. Right. Do you want him to sit out now, or do you want yes. him to sit out half of December and all of January? Yeah, and I know that Zeke obviously doesn't want to sit out at all, and, and he's rolling the dice and hoping that you know he gets the Tom Brady treatment. I just don't think, uh, at the end of the day, that he's going to get off on this. I think that, that he's going to have to serve the six games sooner or later, 
if I'm the Cowboys, I want them to serve it uh, sooner, get it over with, so that it doesn't affect the end of the season. That's today's business brought to you by Grossman St. Amore CPAs. Located in downtown Syracuse, Grossman St. Amore CPAs provides businesses and individuals with tax planning and tax preparation services and strategies to help minimize your tax liabilities. Learn more about how Grossman St. Amore CPAs can optimize the financial opportunities for your business online at gsacpas.com.